<laughs> see, see, he beat her up so bad she ended up in a hospital on Guerrero Street. <laughs> what a story, Chris. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to Big Damn Cast. I am a bag of bones, meat, and sentience. And I'm on Tommy's planet now! <laughs> Everyone love each other. Um, <laughs> yeah, welcome to another Big Damn Cast. We're recording this a little earlier than usual, so if there are any big news stories this week that you're expecting us to talk about, tough shit. We're yeah. in the past. Um, yeah. But we do have some stuff we're going to touch on. Uh, specifically some trailers that came out over the last weekend. Um, we're also going to have a big old chat about everyone's favourite, least favourite movie, and a movie about that movie. So that's going to be fun. Ooh, we're um, meta. Yeah, it's, it's, we're, we're going to box it in, baby. Yeah. Um, if you're wondering why I sound like arse, um, <laughs> we had our four, first full week of Panto, and then we had our Christmas drinks. So I'm dead from the throat up. Um, so I, I, this, this, I'm dead from the throat now. Oh, darling. So this episode is sponsored by the bottle of water and the carton of apple and raspberry juice. Oh! Sat next to my microphone. Get some pineapple <clears throat> juice on it, cocker. Pineapple <clears throat> juice is the way to go. Oh, and it's beautiful, isn't it? I've started having that in the mornings. Yeah. Pineapple, pineapple juice is gorgeous. Um, I should just note before we get into this week, this will be coming out uh, just as The Last Jedi is coming out. We're not yes, covering it this yeah. show because we couldn't see it early and review it so mm-hmm. we'll be covering it on next week's show so don't worry you've got plenty of time to see it before we spoil the fuck out of it yes yeah, spoilerific goodness yay granny goodness um, granny goodness no no uh, granny goodness and her well shall we shall we shall we start with the last jedi then good sir to we, shall, we can start with the last jedi and the fact that as we're recording <clears> this the premiere was um yes last night uh in yeah. the states and you know, the reviews are embargoed till the 12th of December, so a couple of days after... Which is a bit a bit odd, I find. But 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 the vibe I'm getting from this, as opposed to, say, the Justice League embargo, is that they don't really want people to know what the story is. Yeah, but I mean, uh, there have been impressions coming out of the premiere um, yeah. from some fellow filmmakers, and they've all been pretty goddamn positive. So, yeah, I think... I think Disney think they're onto a winner with this one for either because they know everyone's going to go see it or because they think it's good. Um, well, they've given, they've, be given Ryan, they've given Ryan Johnson an entire trilogy already, so yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it was a pretty solid flick. <laughs> Ooh, which he's also come out and said he's not Knights of the Old Republic. Okay, fair play. So, you and um, McGregor Obi Wan trilogy is all I'm saying. No, That's... no, no. We can't have a whole trilogy of you and McGregor Obi Wan. He's got nothing to do. I have everything to do. I Listen, have Obi-Wan. If you want a little bit of what Obi-Wan was doing in between episodes three and four, then there's a bit a bit of that stuff in Rebels and there's a bit of that stuff in the uh, <laughs> read, Marvel Star Wars ongoing. Read so. issues six and seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to find out more. Yeah. He's, he's got some stuff going on. Um, Yeah, so that happened and we're all very excited and it looks like it's going to be a great movie and Ryan Johnson opened proceedings with a tribute to Carrie Fisher and apparently the film... Has a tribute, uh, has a dedication to her at the end. So, Aww. this is good um, and wonderful and sad because Carrie Fisher, I miss Carrie Fisher. Um, so yeah, Last Jedi, it's round the corner. We're going to talk about it next week, but Ooh, it's, it's going to be out in the world. So, 
be careful for spoilers. I've just got to make it till Thursday. Yeah. I, the oh day God. this goes up. Yeah. <laughs> I've just got to make it to the day this goes up. Um, It'll okay. be playing in theatres. Speaking of playing in theatres, let's talk trailers, baby. Oh, yeah. So we've had um, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Everyone's... The, the hotly anticipated sequel to everyone's favourite Jurassic Park movie. No, um, no, 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 Let's give the big JW some credit. It was a massive success when it came to the box office. It, it was a really, huge success. It grabbed the world by the, the eyeballs it did and grab pulled the world. tight. Yeah, it grabbed the world um, by something. <clears throat> it is not a film that you look back on fondly. It is not a film. It's not a film. <laughs> like it's, it's got its moments. There are a couple of really cool moments, and there's a, there's a couple of, no, there's, there's a nice character. Um, this, and this is a nice character, a one yeah. nice character. In the whole thing. <clears throat> yeah, um, it's an it's an odd beast, but ultimately it's a harmless popcorn flick that just happens to shit on the, the honor of an amazing. Ageless, timeless piece of cinema. And I, I rewatched Jurassic Park this last week, gone. And let me tell you, that shit holds up. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, it's it incredible. Holds up. It's amazing to think that in the early 90s, Spielberg went, right, we're going to have a CGI dinosaur, a massive T Rex feature prominently in this film. Made a computer generated animation, something that we as an industry are still coming to terms with properly. So just to make sure you don't see the seams, I'm going to overlight her or underlight her. Yeah. So she like lighting and and weather effects are key to selling this creature. Um, that T Rex looks stunning. There's there's only one I think questionably CGI shot in the whole movie that I can think of off the top of my head, and it's um, I think when the raptor first leaps on the kitchen counter, just lighting wise, it's yeah. aged a little weird. I think I think the one that that gets me is the first time you see the Brontos. Yeah, so but the, uh, yeah, the it's, first time it's, you see dinosaurs in that movie, but that's because it's like. No bullshit, middle of the day, big, yeah. big shot. So it's like, okay, you've got your balls out. All right, nice. Yeah. I mean, nice. in the world, in the world of the film, it's not too bad. But then, of course, you get to any CGI shots later, and you go, "Well, this looks miles better than that one did." <laughs> it's like, oh god, yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but um, the, the massive use of practical effects is a big reason why that movie's aged beautifully. The the characters, the story, the set pieces, gorgeous, it's gorgeous. Jurassic World, not so much. Like. 98% of the dinosaur work in it is computer generated effects um despite a big big practical teams working on it yeah um i i imagine it was a similar uh, situation to the the thing prequel where they did a bunch of practical shit on set yeah. and then in post the studio went now nah, we'll just cgi it well yeah it, it's similar um <clears throat> what i know about Jurassic world is that there's a lot of overlaying yeah yeah so there are several shots of the raptors where animatronics were used and then CGI was overlaid, and you're like, "What was the point in the animatronic then?" Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's not, it's not, it's not performance capture. Like, what? so, so for example, even the simplest of shots, the bit where the four raptors are all uh, in the pens, they've all got their heads in the little cages. Um, they were practical pieces, but the lips and the eyes are CGI in that scene. Mm-hmm. Even though, even though the, even though the puppets could do that and probably were doing it. It's very I strange. Love, I love practical effects, and I miss practical effects. If you want to see some good practical effects <clears> work, <throat> um, go and watch the 2015 um, Adam Scott Tony Collette Krampus movie. There's some oh, great. Oh yeah, it's on Netflix some, now. Uh, it's on Now TV at the moment. Okay. Um, oh my god. There I'm is some. Tonight. 
There is some great practical effects work in that movie. Um, and also, it's it's just a great, fun horror movie. Uh, but back to Jurassic World. It looks yeah. fine. The plot, as we can gather, is that... Is um, all in the trailer. Yeah. The Bryce Dallas <laughs> Howard character... And I can't remember anyone's names. The Bryce Dallas Howard character wants the... Bryce Dallas Howard wants Chris Pratt to go back to the island because the volcano is going to blow and kill all the dinosaurs. He wants to save the dinosaurs. And there's a congressional hearing where... Um, yeah, uh, Jeff Goldblum uh, uh, says, "No, uh, that's uh, not a good idea." Uh, um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't want to shave my beard for uh, for the scene. Can I? <laughs> uh-huh. I, I have a feeling uh, that's going to be his, like that's going to be his only scene in the movie. I agree too. And nearly all of it's in the trailer. <laughs> and then it'll be CGI'd over. Mm. There'll be a CGI Goldblum in the yep. film. They'll CGI his his beard off. I'm going to say it. This looks pointless. It does look pointless. Looks pointless. It does look. Pointless. I mean, they've they've got the lens on it. They've got the freaking the dour graying dull lens over a lot of the shots. So all those rich colours of the original, like even Lost World, keeps that up. The, and and Jurassic Park Three has its own sort of colour palette. Yeah. The, the original the original Jurassic Park and Lost World have a very striking mix of oranges and washed out greens in the daytime, yeah. and these rich blues and blacks and little flashes of yellow. In the nighttime. Well, the, the color, the color of that uh, film, you can just see by looking at the principal cast. I mean, yeah. you've got you've got Sam Neill's like blue and dusty, and the and the and the little red neckerchief. Yeah, got Laura yeah. Dern in, in the in the pink and the shorts. You've got Jeff Goldblum all in black. You've got Richard <laughs> Hammond all in white. It's like it's very striking colorfully from a from a costume design point of view. Even <clears throat> like, yeah, absolutely, and and it, it, it it's. You know, it's memorable for things like that. It's yeah, it's 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 dare I say it, iconic, an actual mm. iconic, not Ubisoft iconic. Even oh god, even number three has uh, what's it? It's the, the mottled blues of the like the bluey greys of the raptors. In yeah, the third yeah. One. The the really sort of orange play of some of the raptors and the spinosaurus and the T Rex, and then those really st- like stark greens yeah. of of the world around them. The hey, only they're... washed out scene in that entire thing is in the um. In the 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 aviary, with the pterosaurs yeah. and the pterodons, and that's on purpose because that's meant to be a terrifying horror sequence. Well, so it works will, well for that. I will maintain to this day that even though the Lost World is a better film, Jurassic Park Three is more fun than the Lost World. Um, if any movie features a, p- a pile of shit with a ringtone playing out of it, it gets my vote. I mean, don't get me wrong, <laughs> Jurassic Jurassic Park Three is a mess, but it's How quite a. It's quite a fun mess. Um, <laughs> oh, quick, spray yourself with piss to throw the scent off. But, um, I mean, Jurassic <laughs> World just looks like um, generic action blockbuster with CGI monsters number 73. Yeah, well, so. yeah, that's the, that's the... I mean, at least with the last one, there was an element of the new in that we were all going into it going, oh, so it's a fully functioning theme park, which completely defeats the whole point of the story of the original part of the film series. No, but then it Um, all falls apart still. Yeah, but here's the thing. Do you know what does that... Do you know what does theme park rides going horribly wrong better than Jurassic World? Um, Actual theme park... Well, that too. Actual theme park rides. Yes. Like, the the plot of 90% of theme park rides, usually universal ones, is, oh, this is one thing. Oh, it's gone wrong! Oh! <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, that, that's the plot. Like, the Jurassic Park ride in the Universal Parks, that's the plot. Um, the Simpsons would, ride in the Universal Parks, that's the plot. Would you and, watch and, an Alton Towers <clears throat> movie where all the rides turn again? No, no I guess that's no. in poor taste now. 
No. Oh, oh yeah, the rides. Yeah. There. Don't need to make it to a movie for the rides to turn against people. Yeah, I had that um, sentence in my head, and then I, I was yeah. saying, I was like, actually, no, that's in very poor taste. Oh, God. Alton Towers doesn't have a theme. We've been through Alton Towers' thing. Is, no, it look, has many ca- themes. That's what I'm saying. You can get a whole franchise out of it. <laughs> oh, God. Look, something kind of spooky. What, what does it mean? Uh, I don't fucking care. Get on the roller coaster. Mm. Um, so, yeah. I just. Uh, so, so we've, that was at least an, a new element. Uh, Fallen Kingdom, um, it's it's Lost World, but without the poaching. Yeah, it's we're going back to save them, as opposed to we're going back to save someone slash these people are going to try and poach them. Like, there's no poachers okay. this time. It's a volcano. <laughs> the bad there's guy no is Pete... nature, and also the there's good n- guy is nature. There's no Pete Postlethwaite. Well, that's been a so, problem for a lot for a few years now, a couple of decades now. But that's but that's the you know that's that's. That's the thing as well, because it's like, at least Lost World, we got uh, different set pieces set completely within the jungle environment. We got a baby T-Rex. Two T-Rex. They did this, the classic sequel thing of, you like the T-Rex? We got two. We've got oh, two. And just to save time for a director DVD sequel, they've had a freaking baby. Look at it. Um, like That was great. That was absolutely British what you wanted. With this one, it looks like the newest thing they're giving us is Lava. Lava! We- because memes, and um, what do you call it? It looks like, I can't remember what the species is, but it, it sort of looks like a version of that dinosaur from, um, you, you know, the one that's the antagonist, as it were, in Disney's Dinosaur. The one with the, with the like, the T-Rex looking thing with the horns. Yeah. The little T-Rex we're getting, with the horns, yeah. We're getting something like that, basically. It's like, oh, it's not the T-Rex, but it's sort of like a T-Rex. Oh, here's the T-Rex to save the day. Again. Yeah. <laughs> The hero T-Rex, the heroine T-Rex even. Yeah, it's... The only du- the only mm. thing the trailer's missing is the final scene of them like either flying away in a helicopter or sitting in a diner like a week later be like, boy, that was scary. That what's was an that? adventure. What's, what's that? Oh, someone's just come in to tell us that a dinosaur's been spotted somewhere else. I guess we'll see you again in three years, <laughs> cinema. Bye. Oh, Yay. Isn't it weird that we're in a world where there are now more bad Jurassic Park movies than good ones? No, not not that weird because that's what franchises do. Generally, yeah. Generally. although if you if you add up every version of Jurassic Park itself and its re-releases, then I think it might outweigh them. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. um, but that says more about re-release culture. Uh, but... I own it in five formats. Oh God! Yay! Let's uh, but... yeah. <laughs> what else dropped this week? We got uh, a trailer for the new Spider-Man movie, which I didn't even know they'd started shooting yet, but. <laughs> apparently it's animated and yeah, wait this... it's a black guy <laughs> oh it's miles yeah oh it's peter griffin um yeah this was announced uh i think it was early last year maybe slightly before that sony yeah. was producing an animated spider-man movie and the world went oh okay because um, sony animation well, yeah. Well, that being said, it's kind of with a chance of meatballs, and its sequel are pretty good. Sony Animation. I'll, I'll say that Sony Animation animated films of the last few years always look gorgeous. Um, like the, I mean, I'm not a fan of the Hotel Transylvania films, but like they are beautifully animated. Um, in terms of that sort of comedic exaggerated movements and everything. Um, Your comedic but, exaggerated movements. Ha ha ha! That would be true if I weren't so terribly hungover. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sat here in my pants and a Boba Fett hoodie. I am not moving anywhere, comedically or nay. Fantastic. Um, so, what a, what a picture for everyone. And that should be what the a- thumbnail. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'll put it on a billboard and leave it there for, for two years. Uh, so, this could have gone any which way. Earlier in the year that they finally said, oh, by the way, it's about Miles Morales. So, anyone who's a fan of the comics and everything is like, oh, oh my God, Ultimate Spider-Man. It's about Ultimate Spider-Man. It's about, oh, oh my God, this is incredible. This is different. And and like, I mean, that's amazing because if you're going to have Peter Parker back in live action movies, why not make the animated movie about like everyone's, you know, other favorite Spider-Man? Like give him the spotlight. That's perfect. Um, well, it looks like they're about to have their cake and eat it. So the film's official title was announced at the end of the trailer. It's Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse which is making a lot of normies roll their eyes and go, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> and a lot of us absolute sad acts get massive erections. Because I'm like, hang on. Hang the fuck on. Hang on? Not only are we getting a Miles Morales movie, are they going to connect it to Peter Parker's you like world? Are they going to connect this to the wider world of Spider-Man stuff in general? Holy shit. This is kind of cool. And I, you can see a pattern leading to this. In comics, we've had Spider-Men. We, of course, had the big Spider-Verse yep. event. In terms of video games, um, like the most popular Spider-Man video game in years was Shattered Dimensions back in Different, 2010. Yeah. Different versions about... of Spider-Man have always been <clears throat> kind of popular. Well, at least since the 90s. Yeah. Well, it was, it's just it's a compelling kind of thought of like, anyone can be Spider-Man and we're going to show you that any like you know a lot of them are variations of peter parker but the idea is like look where he came from look where she came from look what this is all about like oh yeah spider-man's a little too a uh, little too sort of soft and kiddie for you here's a punk rock metal spider-man <laughs> what what's that not enough mechs japanese spider-man roll on over here like it's yeah. just look at all these cool things so it's like fair enough and spidey's kind of become the poster boy for alternate realities now i think more, even more so than dc's uh, elseworlds kind of stuff because Consistently with this one, you're not having to go, oh, that doesn't matter anymore. That doesn't matter anymore. With Spidey, it's just, oh, here's another version. Here's another version. Here's another version. Um, so to, to keep track of that kind of story, you need someone at the core. It looks like they've got both the boys in the middle. Because this trailer suggests at the very end, and it's, very, it's definitely a Miles Morales movie. But this trailer suggests oh, yeah, in yeah. its final shots that he is talking. He says, you mean there are more of us? And he's talking to, and you only see them silhouetted. As the train goes by, stood at the train station, a taller, lankier, Andrew Garfield hairstyle-esque dude. It's a, it's, it's Spider UK. Oh God! Oh, well, 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 get Andrew, cast Andrew Garfield. Let him, let him have like a decent last stab. Because um, I'll tell you this: if they decided that they're doing the crossover multiverse thing, I think it'd be amazing if they cast like Maguire or Garfield as the voice of the like 616 peter parker or whatever yeah because i don't think these are going to tie into um mcu these are separate beasts but at the same time this way you get to at least dip a toe into the peter parker version as well um yeah but oh my god miles looks amazing he looks spectacular just his design like little details like his air jordans um (laughs) and the fact that like you take you know when he lifts the mask up near the end of the trailer he, he looks like Miles. He, he, they've aged him up a bit, like he's 14, 15, like, as opposed to 
you know, because he's like 13 when he first arrived in the comics, wasn't he? He was really tiny. Yeah, I think he's um, like 15, 16 now. Yeah, which is a good, I think that's a good shout. Um, that's, it would be well, little, that's, it, that's how old would, Peter was when he first became Spider-Man. Yeah, and it would be a little frightening to put a very young kid in all that, like, peril uh, in a film. In a comic, you can kind of buy it because you know that it's a very dark and comfortable world at times. But um, amidst all the colour and the fun, but, like, in a film, that would be a little bit frightening. Um but yeah, like, but it's the fact that he's there, but then when you see him completely without mask later on, like, his hair's just so big, and it's just, like, he's visually, that's such a nice idea, you know what I mean? Like, he pulls the mask over, and just, like, he becomes that shape, he becomes the silhouette that is Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, oh, it's so gorgeous. His scrawny little legs, you pointed out, as well. Yeah. <laughs> he says he's proper skinny, which he should be. Um, Prowler's in that. the trailer. Yeah. So, it, but, I, it, it, assumingly, they're going to go with the ultimate version that is his uncle. Yeah, uh, with a big old cape and a motorbike. Yeah, um, like it, like it. Oh my god! But I think the best part—I mean, the song choice is cool for the trailer. But I think the best thing—those visuals, man. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. It looks really gorgeous. It's stunning. It's like they've taken out—they've sort of limited it to like if there's 24 frames in a second, they've cut it down to like 19. So it's got this stop motion esque like joltiness to it. Um, but it's CGI. But the textures are sort of smoothed in a way that look like it could be stop motion animation. But then they've overlaid like an almost cell shaded quality to it. So it looks like a comic book. And it, it, oh my God, the action beats, like when he, when he jumps off that taxi in the foreground. Yeah. And as he does it, the entire frame briefly like changes color scheme completely to have like a thunk in the visuals. Yep. It's like, oh my God, that's amazing. It's like Adam West would be like, this is incredible. Um, you know, you don't have to thwack things anymore for speech balloons to pop up. You can just leap off stuff. But the best shot is when he dives off the building, shattering the glass as well in his fingers, because that's like Miles' prehensile stuff's much sort of stronger, isn't it, usually, in the story. Like his, his fingers and everything are very, very much uh, key to his powers in terms of like his climbing and his sting and all that stuff. Um, so that was cool. But it's when he leaps... And you just cut to the wide shot of it upside down. Yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. It's, it's so cool. It's it's really nice. We've got to wait it's a year for really it. It's really nice. Um, wait a whole year. <laughs> yeah. It. I. I. Yeah. I like. I like the look of it a lot. And I'm. Yeah. I, I'm. I'm jazzed. I'm jazzed. Um. So let's get on to our main topic for this week. Um. You are a man of excellent taste, sir. Uh, why not introduce us to something classy to listen about? Let's let's talk about something eloquent, maybe something akin to the work of James Dean, perhaps, or Tennessee Williams. Tennessee yes, Williams. bring that uh, in, Matt. Why don't you so, tell everyone about a little movie? <laughs> so, in the early two thousands, uh, the mysterious and strange uh, Tommy Wiseau released a movie that he'd made by himself. With his friend Greg Testero and a bunch of other actors and a professional crew uh, called The Room, which he uh, touted as um, a Tennessee Williams level drama. Uh, he kept it in the theater. He paid to keep it in the theaters for two weeks to qualify <laughs> for an Academy Awards. It is wildly regarded as one of the worst movies ever made. And having seen it twice, it is fucking horrible it's really bad but it's kind of fun 
As in, it's 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 a car crash of a movie in which everything, every decision that could have been made, they made the wrong one. Yeah, and, and mainly driven by <laughs> by Tommy's vision or lack thereof, or his warped version of what he thinks vision is. Um, Tommy was always a singular and um enigmatic individual who we still don't know a lot about, surprisingly, even though he's been in the public eye for quite a while now since the room sort of blew up as a cult classic. And Greg Stero has since written um, a memoir of his time called The Disaster Artist, which has been adapted into a film directed by and starring James Franco <laughs> as Tommy Wiseau. So the actor, writer, director portraying an actor, writer, director in a film about the making of a terrible film. It's like, it, there's not much to say about The Room without, that hasn't already been said without just saying, like, go watch it if you can. Like, yeah. yeah. If you, if you're in, if you're in London, get down to the Prince Charles, they do midnight screenings regularly. Um, if you've got independent cinemas there, they might do it. You can order, you can still order uh, The Room from, the room movie.com yeah okay. it is tough to get hold of like yeah you can, I've, yeah, I've, I've i've never seen it in its entirety i've only sort of absorbed it through cultural osmosis like yeah. I've, I've i've watched reviews about it i've watched discussions about it I've, I've seen compilations of clips um the other week out of talk curiosity because i do check on the price occasionally i had a look on amazon and it was the cheapest i'd ever seen it it was um like eight pound 99 with a, a six pound delivery charge I was like, this is a DVD, Region 1 DVD. I may not even be able to play it, but here we go. So I've had it ordered. Um, according to Lucy, it has arrived back at home. So there is a copy now <laughs> in, in close proximity to where you are, good sir. Um, but, like, it's... Yeah, it is. It, it, I, I am assuming it's the only place making and distributing it is still The Room Productions. Yep. yep. Which is weird. you think they would have struck a deal? Like... Especially right now. To Who's going to fucking a... buy that thing, though? Oh, are you kidding me? Like, who was it who made the Disaster Artist? Because that company would definitely buy enough of the rights to release, like, a double pack when the film comes out on home media, surely. Well, they don't need to. After watching the film, it seems like they remade most of it. Well, shot oh, for oh, shot. Oh, well, we'll get into that, because, my God, what a beautiful experience. But, um, oh, if, everybody, if everyone would just love each other, you know, the world would be a much better place. Anyway, um... So this film exists. Matthew. This film exists. You have witnessed it en masse, like you said. Is it both times you've seen it at the Prince Charles? Yeah, and the second time, Tommy was always there. Oh, my, right. T- tell us a little bit about that, good sir. Tell me what it was like to bask in the same oxygen as Swamp Thing Dracula Man. Tommy was always like a drunk rock star. Um... He looks like he's <laughs> made, cobbled together from spare bits of man. Leftover um, Gene Simmons skin flakes. Yeah, left. He's, he's like a, he looks like a sort of um, failed clone of Gene Simmons with uh, the the strangest, like sort of Eastern European, but just, Im- just impossible to place accent and just, a, it just looks like an... If you took, he's, he's like an took, alien wearing human skin. He's like Edgar Book from <laughs> Men in Black. If you took Frank Langella's Skeletor from the He-Man movie and just put 
sunglasses and a black slimy wig on it. It's kind of him, really. Like, it's sort of... Just what he looks like. He's he's a melting face with I hair think... and three belts. This is, these are the things we know about Tommy Wiseau. He claims to be from New Orleans and he claims to be about 20 to 25 years younger than he clearly is. Um, the... That we think he was made. I say we, like the the, the world at large. <laughs> uh, think he was born possibly in Poland in the fifties. Um. Yeah. He he said uh, he he was on Jimmy Kimmel this week because James Franco was promoting the Disaster Artist. Yeah, yeah. And he brought Tommy out, and Jimmy Kimmel attempted to ask a couple of the big questions, and he did. He did finally admit that he wasn't born in New Orleans. No. Um, but <laughs> the way, the way he said it was like, I, you know, he, he mentioned a village and no one's been able to figure out which village it is yet, but, but he mentioned a village that he was like, spent some of his childhood in. It's like, okay. Well, this, this and, also... th- and then he says he grew up in New Orleans. So of course, when someone says, where are you from? You, you know, you say where you feel you're from the most and that's New Orleans. So it's like, okay. So he just admitted he wasn't born in America at yeah. least. But um, he's which, still not clearing anything up. <laughs> I think Greg Chistero mentions in his book that he has yeah. seen a birth certificate for Tommy. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, and also there's the there's the picture that he sees when he first when he first goes to Tommy's apartment of uh, a young Tommy, a much younger Tommy, yeah, uh, much younger Tommy with brown hair in France in Paris, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, without a lot of his sort of eccentricities and yeah. trinkets yeah. just seems like it and i think the quote that you that, that is from the book is that he looks at this picture and thinks something horrible happened to this man yeah so, well but, and yeah we do we do get a suggestion of that later or at least part of it because he um, also has he also has seemingly endless funds mm, infinite like wealth he spent six million dollars or what is what is rumored to be six million dollars on on the room um, because the the figures are still confidential, but it's believed they've spent around six million dollars on producing this film, and it was just yeah. a drop in the bucket for him. Yeah, well, it was a forty day shoot that turned into like a sixty two day shoot. Yeah, um, that bought all of the equipment used to make it, as opposed to renting it. And two so... sets, like bought thirty five mil and digital HD equipment. Yeah, and filmed wanted, it simultaneously because he, he just wanted it all. Like he wanted to make sure he had it all. Um. It's just like, why? The money was spent to recreate sets that exist like meters from where they're shooting the set version. Yeah. It's, well, we'll take, you know, let's, 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 let's set, let's segue. We kind uh, of have in, to... into a big yeah. old mixed discussion because I, I think it's impossible for us to talk about the room and then the disaster artist now. I think yeah, let's just, they're kind let's of intertwined. In. Um, it, and, I will, <laughs> I will say up front, we're not going to be coy about spoilers for the disaster artist because one, this really happened, or uh, well, yeah. versions of it at least it's, happened. It's, it's, the, it's, it's not definitely a, it's a Hollywood Hollywood version of the story, definitely. Yes, it is not a film that used close to the truth. Like real people have been left out of the story, amalgamated <laughs> into other people. Things that happened have been sort of left out for streamlining. A couple of things have been invented to give it its structure, but the basic. Um, the basic narrative is still is still the same. Yeah, like, I mean, it, um, it, as is the case with like every based on a true story, because this this is not an adaptation of the book, The Disaster Artist. It's 
it's used that as its blueprint. Like it was yeah. the gateway into telling this story. Yeah. Um, it doesn't do anything like massively false. I don't think like every, I think every it, created incident is there to illustrate a point that was made in several other stories in the book. I think the main thing that happened in real life that doesn't really come up. There's two big things well, in terms of production of the room. Is yeah. that one that they fired, he fired two crews. Yeah. And a couple of those crews have been they've just been amalgamated to the same crew. Like the Seth Rogen character left halfway through the production of the actual room, but yeah. they kind of amalgamated that into into the Seth Rogen character. Um, and also the other thing is that there was originally another person playing Mark. Yeah, I know. I thought it was odd that and, they left that out because that's one of the most fascinating parts of the story. Yeah, too. who was who then was and they shot everything twice with Greg and this other guy and left this guy out of the movie. Oh, and also, um, one of the characters, um, Peter, the actor who plays Peter in the room, mm-hmm. um, he left during production because he had another job that he had to go to, uh, but Tommy wouldn't change the schedule to accommodate him, so yeah. he just replaced him with someone else and didn't really... And it, So the, the, tu- yeah. the, the football tuxedo scene... Where that character falls over and it's like, all right, I'm done. That's the last scene he's in in the film because they didn't shoot the stuff after that because he'd already have to go to this other job and they didn't. And Tommy wouldn't move the schedule around. Yeah, they sort of so, amalgamate that more into what happens with Greg, don't they? Like, yeah, in terms yeah. of that angle of, of so you stuff. know they they mess about with with the facts and stuff like that, but they, <clears> it's it's to create. But you get the sense of what it was like to work on that ridiculous set with this insane monster of a man. He's monstrous at points and the film's not the film does not shy away from showing how much of a bastard he could be. Yeah, it, it um, definitely it definitely puts a massive spotlight on his humanity and what is actually kind of inspiring about his story, but at the same time it doesn't say this is your all American hero, guys. Yeah. Like he's not Johnny, guys. He's not Johnny. And as we Even all when know, he's Johnny, he's not Johnny. As we all know, Johnny is like the nicest guy. Um, <laughs> he's my favourite customer. He's your um, favourite customer. But I think, I think the film, it, mm, it, it, it doesn't shy away from painting him as a monster. But at the same time, I think it also is a little too forgiving to him, especially towards the end. Yeah, um, the the ending's the that... very sweetly sickly Hollywood kind of happening. Yeah, um, and I mean, um, you know, it did go on and become a cult sensation, and he is still writing and directing with uh, uh, Greg Sestero, but it's he also was a monster to those people, and is clearly very difficult to to work with and and um, exist around. You know, he's 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 very he's very jealous and maniacal, and he doesn't he doesn't like people taking mark taking uh greg stare away from him um he was very jealous of greg's relationships and and well the also film th- plays that almost as like a uh there's like a a, 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 love, a hidden love story that's not really being focused on yeah but you know and, and upset like they sort of play with the homosexual undertone of their friendship um or at least the one-sided homosexual undertone yeah um yeah and i think the casting i said this in my review this week i think the casting of brothers was very intentional, not just for their chemistry, but because they knew there would be this air of really uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know, and it is, it? it is at points a deeply uncomfortable movie. It's very funny. It's yeah. very funny. 
But it's also, it could veer from very funny to just horrifically uncomfortable on a dime. Uh, yeah. Especially once you get into the actual production of the film itself. Yeah, pre um, The Room, it's 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 almost a lot more of a sympathetic tale in terms of Tom's yeah. point of view. Um, then once The Room begins, you're very much on side with Greg and you're just, I mean, you know the film happened, so you know that this, you know, this story, you know, did play out, but you're just screaming at the screen like, Greg, walk away. Yeah. <laughs> just walk away. Yeah, yeah. To the um, point where they sort of imply that that's why his girlfriend <clears throat> leaves him um, towards yeah. the end of the film, which I don't believe was the case in real life. Although they did split up, but I don't believe it was because of his uh, friendship with Tommy. Uh, I think, I think the stress, I think the stresses of that played into it, but I, yeah, don't, yeah. I don't remember that being the reason. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just, it is, I really like the movie. I do really like the movie. I think mm-hmm. it is a little, it's a little inside baseball. I think, yeah, because it's yeah. it's clearly made by there's that weird bit at the beginning where there's all the talking heads of real people talking about the room. And yeah, like, like Adam Scott Ke- and Kevin Smith yeah. used to be like, "What fucking is this?" JJ Abrams and Lizzie Kaplan and Kristen Bell. The first thing you see in this movie is Kristen Bell talking about the room. It's like this is odd. Um, mm, but, it's really uh, hey, weird. It's really Kristen weird. Bell, but... So I'm not complaining. Um, oh, well, uh, it's really weird though. But it's like it's like a bookend. Like the beginning of yeah, the movie, yeah. and the end of the movie do feel like they are a bookend once you see them. But obviously, the first time you see it, you're like. Why are we opening with this? Yeah, What's it's a strange happening? choice. It's a strange choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, when you look at the cast, and it is like <clears throat> James James Franco and Dave Franco, and then like a bunch of people who kind of have a love for the room. So you like all the all three members of the How Did This Get Made podcast, which is what introduced me to the room. Yeah, because they've done a couple of episodes in it. They've done an episode on it with Greg Testero on it as well. Um, so Paul Shear, June, Diane, Raphael, <laughs> and uh, Jason Manzukis all get roles. Um, you got the Seth Rogen and the James Franco connection, um, and it just feels a bit like well, it's like Brian Cranston's mentioned before. He's a big fan of it, so there he is. Yeah, like yeah. two thousand and one. Brian Cranston is in the movie, and, and that didn't and, happen, by the way. The, the whole no, no, Mark no. In the middle thing. That, um, I, I watched. I watched. Uh, they did a, a screening of it two weeks ago. There's a big Q and A with um, Seth Rogen, Dave Franco, and James Franco afterwards, and and they they were asked about that, and they said no, it didn't happen. But we just it was an amalgam of of the stuff. You know, with uh, with um, him not letting people like leave set even if they weren't needed that day and things like that. But um, also, it's just because they wanted Brian Cranston said he was such a big fan, so they were like, well, "We've got to find a way to get Brian in the film without it being yeah. too weird." They were like, "Well, let's just make it himself." And then they love the idea of just taking him back to Malcolm in the Middle, Brian Cranston. Yeah. Um, and and then uh, James Franco was like just improving and titting around and came up with the whole little Malcolm thing. <laughs> and then they went, well, we've got, we've got to do this then. We have to do, it. it's just too, for the idea of him saying, you, no, go little Malcolm. It's just like, it's too funny. So that's um, why that scene exists. And like Bob Odenkirk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Again, yeah. Another fan. Just, there he is. Like, yeah. So it does, it does feel a bit like it's a bunch of Hollywood pals getting together and making a bit of a love letter to this terrible film. It's a, it's um, a fan film in the best yeah. possible way, I think. Well, I think it does have a downside in that. I, I think you do get that sort of rose colored glasses. Yeah, Particularly which is, which is the, the curse of any fan film, really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because, it, yeah, let, make no mistakes, Tommy Wiseau was horrible to people on that set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, it, like I say, it, it you kind of dragged along by the sheer glee of it all. 
Mm. And um, particularly James Franco's performance. James Franco was fabulous in this. Yeah. Not to, not to like, diss any of the rest of the cast. Like, it's great performances all around. I mean, you, you, Dave Franco mm. does a hell of a job. Um, well, Dave Franco's but, great because he, he just plays a completely, like, sympathetic straight man. Yeah, who, yeah. You, un- you understand every choice he makes, even if you don't agree with them. Yeah. And, and, and especially when it gets to that scene, the additional football throwing scene, yeah. where it just all comes out. Like he plays that so well, and like for, for one for one brief shining moment, Greg has Tommy on his fucking knees. Like yeah. Tommy is no longer in control of this world he has had such a violent control of and I for think several weeks. The sort of dynamic between them two <clears throat> as leads is it really goes to show that to have a sort of showboating, um, uh, show off a. Uh, <clears throat> fancy like lead performance that like you get with James Franco. You need to have someone like Dave Franco is in this movie, rooting that with a sort of very, very straight and solid, and I don't want to say unremarkable because it is a, it is great in it. But, like, no, no, you mean it, of, it, it, he's it, not it, doing it, anything fancy. It, he's not showing va- off. It's yeah. vanilla by design. Like yeah. he has to be, he has to be a blank canvas that we as an audience can go. I get him. I get him. I get him. That's normal in this world. Yeah. That's I think a normal I, person. And yeah. I think I think I saw someone someone describe. <clears throat> I can't remember who it was now. Uh, it was in the video, I think. But someone described like James Franco's performance as, as being like inches away from an from an extended SNL skit. Um, it's that sort of level of, but it worked because yeah. of the performances that surround him and their <clears throat> reactions to it. He's a, he's um, a facilitator in, in yeah. the film, which is which could be a thankless job. And I think I do think a lot of the reviews have sort of neglected the the importance of what he did in that film. Yeah. I think a lot of them have just been like, yeah, Dave Franco's fine, and it's like, no, he's doing a really fucking good job, guys, yeah. because he because <laughs> he sort of grounds the lightning that is yeah. that is James Franco in this movie under all that makeup and with the affects and the accent, and it is you know. It's fucking uncanny. Sometimes, sometimes it's clearly exaggerated, but some uh, points it's fucking uncanny. Particularly when, and again, this is a bit of a spoiler, so uh, skip ahead a little bit if you don't want to hear this bit. I, um, I think I know you're about to talk about. I think I missed this. Go on. You what? missed it. Oh no. Yeah. Because yeah, I I made made sure I caught it because I'd heard about it, um, or I'd heard that there was something after the credits. And funnily enough, after the credits is a scene from earlier... Well, a scene that would have taken place earlier in the movie where where Tommy's at a party with Greg and this guy comes up and it's Tommy Wiseau. It's not Tommy Wiseau. It's Tommy Wiseau playing someone else. Playing so Henry. Get, Tommy he, insist, Wiseau, he insisted on that name, apparently. Henry! <laughs> Tommy Wiseau playing Henry having weird sort of standoffish conversation with uh, James Franco's Tommy Wiseau. And it's just so strange. Um and great and odd, but yeah, it's um. So that's that's worth sticking around for after the credits. Absolutely. That was that was in his um, contract for the because obviously they have, they have to sign life rights. Uh, oh to a degree. yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Um, and Tommy was always like, "Yeah, I don't mind. That's fine." He says, "Like, I just i i want to i want i want to advise a couple times." And they were like, "Yeah, no, of course, that's fine. Like, we'll have, you know, with certain things we will have we will definitely want to talk to you about." Um. Although not everything, because that would be uncomfortable. Yeah. But um, yeah. but they said, yeah. And he said, I also want to do a scene in movie, do a cameo. And they were like, yeah. They were, they were planning on doing that in some capacity anyway. They were like, absolutely. And he was like, I want to do it with James. 
they went, uh, okay, because they suddenly realized that's going to be really distracting. Also, if like, suddenly halfway through this movie, Tommy Wiseau is in a scene with fake Tommy Wiseau, <laughs> it's n- it's just going to take people out of the film completely. Yeah. So then they were they were trying to th- they're planning around it and they're planning around it and they were trying to sort of talk him out of it briefly. And then they were like, okay, no, do you know what? We'll do it as a bonus. Like we'll do it after credits. And they approached him and said, because we don't want to disrupt the flow of the film itself, we're going to save it till after the credits. But we'll make sure people know it's there. Yeah. Um, it'll be like you're, you're, I think the way they, they sold it to him was they described it as it's the cherry on top of the cake yeah yeah. and, that's, and he was that's, like that's, okay that's true. and that's all he wants really isn't it he wants to be he wants the cake yeah he wants the cake so he wants to be adored and <clears throat> and respected and, and so liked. if he's the ca- if he's the candle on the cake if he's the cherry then he's he's all for it um, Greg Sestero uh, filmed a cameo I I didn't spot him in the movie, and I'd have to see it again to double check. But some people said he's the casting assistant in one of the auditions. Possibly, I thought I spotted him in the audience at the premiere, but I wasn't sure. Um, I don't know. But, if he was, um, if he was stood up, you wouldn't have missed him because he's like six foot twenty-five or something. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's a tall man, very tall man, um, which is well, quite he, fun he, to see. He's a model, so yeah, which know. they don't, which again they sort of touch on. They don't do a lot with it, but his mum's yeah, in the yeah. film and. Suggest his mum's a little bit more considerate in this than she is in real life, apparently. Well, also, also in real life, she's French, which she is. Yes, in this. As yeah. much as I love Megan Mullally, French, she is not. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, well I'm fourteen. <laughs> oh, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh god. Yeah, because you, you don't, you don't, you don't get hear that in the film, but in in real life, like he lost his first agent because his mum had a go at her. Yeah, like they phoned like, his mum up uh, to say, like, he's got the job and his mum's the one who picked up. Like, we'd love to sign him. We'd love to sign Greg. It'd be amazing. And she basically just started grilling them on the security of the job and this, that, and the other. Got into an yeah. argument, swore blind at them, and, and then hung up. And he, he came home to his dad looking really upset. And he's like, is everything all right? And his dad was like, um, you've not, you, you didn't get it. And he was like, oh, shit. He was like, yeah, uh, I mean, you did. But and then yeah, what follows is like a really few, yeah. a few really fucking horrible, uncomfortable days in that household. Um, Can only imagine. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, they really get. To be fair, they 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 skip a lot of early Greg that it's more hinted at um, because yeah, they yeah. just dive straight. I mean, we start with the acting class, don't we? With, yeah, with with the uh, with the freaking streetcar named Desire moment. Um, oh my days! Oh my that god! It's insane. It's, it's nuts. Insane. I I don't. I have a feeling the real because that did happen, didn't it? He, 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 uh, I read, possibly. I've, yeah. I've I've heard. I think I've heard them talk about him doing that once. I don't remember reading it in the book. In no, the book, I've not read talk, the book. So I've in only... the book, they talk about him doing the Shakespeare sonnet for that teacher, which they moved to the Bob Odenkirk character later on. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is freaking hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it. Oh God, that opening. Um, right. Let's. Let's dive into some specifics and ting. Let's talk about stuff that we we really appreciate and really liked and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll I'll start the ball rolling. I haven't been to a big screening of the room. I've never managed to attend one. Um, but I was in a screening with a room audience the other night. Put it that way. No, oh, okay. It was, it was it was opening night of the film. Um, in Lincoln, I checked my Odeon app in the morning because uh, we only had afternoon performances of the show that day. So I was like, great, I can go see it tonight. Oh, there's only one showing. It's eight o'clock. Okay. Well, do you know what? I'll get my ticket now, so I don't have to worry about it later. So I'll go through the app, and I'm like, hang on. There's about three free seats. 
Because <laughs> this is one of this is one of the Odians where like it's, it's still quite a small. It's still one, assigned so they, they, seating, yeah. Yeah, assigned seating. So I was like, okay, okay. Um, all right. Well, there's one there, like at the back of the the group of chair, the group of seats at the front. I'll I'll sit there. It's just one on the end. I'm sure the people sat next to me won't mind a random bloke sat on the end. I'll be fine. So, <laughs> so I press it, and I kept thinking to myself, well, maybe it's pre-sale. Maybe my app's having a glitch. Like it had one the other day where it told me I couldn't use Limitless, so I went back and then went back again. And it was like, oh, I can now. Wait, what? yeah, that's happened to me a couple of times. Very strange. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, it might fix be a your glitch. shit, Odeon. <laughs> might just be a glitch. And then I showed up. It was not a glitch. Um, this was a packed screening of about 250 people. Nice. And, oh my God, Matt, it was biblical. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't I didn't record my review of the Disaster Artist for my YouTube until a couple of days after, just so I could actually have a nice logical think about the evening in the film. Yeah. But on the night, it was the best film I'd seen that week, because it was yeah. just like, oh my God. Everyone was engrossed. And obviously, the film um, scatters lines of dialogue from the room into the non-room parts in yeah, places yeah. that aren't like they, they don't stick out like sore thumbs but obviously if you know the line you go oh my god they actually did it and i think the, i think the reason they did it was because they wanted to take these ridiculous lines that are performed so badly and put them in a context where they're actually used quite well yeah <laughs> do you know what i mean it's like oh god guys well done and but the people were pissing themselves laughing and then the 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 best the absolute best part was at the end where you just get five minute like sizzle reel of comparison shots of the scene from the room and their version that they obviously shot to use in flashes and snippets in the final sequence. Um, Everyone was just sat there amazed at like, like how, because that's the thing, it can never be exactly the same because if it is, what's the point? Um, But it's the mannerisms that was the most impressive thing. All the actors, when they're recreating the scenes, obviously the dialogue's not exactly timed and everything, because that'd be really weird and painstaking to do. But their physicality is so on point. Yeah. It's nuts. Like, like just everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Lisa, Denny, like, they're all moving the way the actors move in the film. Like, little quirks and everything. It's so strange. But that was, yeah, that's, that was a highlight for me, watching it with that yeah. crowd, and then especially watching that bit with that crowd. Yeah, really I mean, cool. I I saw it in a fairly <laughs> empty auditorium, but the audience was super into it. It, was, it must have been about a dozen people in that in that theatre, if that. But it, it was just guffaws. Do you know where the rest of them were? Guffaws. Do you know where the rest of the people were? Where? They were too, they were too scared. They were a little chicken. Um... Uh, I don't know. I I kind of I've kind of said all I I have to say about about the disaster artist. It's it's really good. It's got some flaws in the way it it, it portrays things, but um, <clears throat> it is a lot of fun and it will engross you if if for no other reason than the performances and also the um, the the idea that in broader strokes this more or less actually happened. Um, and certainly, the film was made because you can you can see it, and it's terrible. And you should see it because it's terrible. Um, it's ah, but that's the that's the biggest thing this film pushes is yeah. is the the argument of is it really bad? Is it re- yes, it is on a technical level, of course. But is it really a bad piece of art? 
because here yeah. we are talking about it. No, yeah, it, it. it totally is a bad piece of art. Oh, well, yeah, no, no, but, I'm, but I mean, in terms of it, because what is art meant to do other than giving a reaction? Now, the, uh, film, the film does a really sugar-coated version of that in its final scene, um, where Greg just basically outright says to Tommy, you know, he may as well, like, Dave, Dave Franco may as well just turn to camera and go, this is the point we're making? Um, we're just saying that, you know, you guys love that film. You know yeah. it's terrible, but you love it. So it has done something for you. And it makes you happy. So, um, that uh, is 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 bad art. Truly bad art. Up and I don't you, up to you guys. I don't we'll see you next week. <laughs> I don't necessarily agree with that because I think art is bad if it doesn't. <clears throat> if yeah, it gets a reaction, but the reaction isn't according to the vision of the person who's produced the art. Then I think it's well. I don't know what you're failed. talking about, Matt. I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. He always intended it to be a comedy. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Tommy um, Tommy Wiseau rewrites so. history. To make him the hero, um, and I mean, fuck it. Like I, the room is the room is bad. The room is a the bad room is piece terrible. of filmmaking. It's really bad. It's, it's it's a horrible experience for everyone involved in it, like in the making of the thing. But it does make people smile, and I know that wasn't that's his true. plan. But that's you've been framed is the exact same thing. Like those people didn't fall over to make you laugh, but you're laughing. Um, <laughs> Did you know for years they had for years they had CGI CGI VHS tapes in the title sequence long after people had stopped using VHS tapes. So yeah, the Disaster Artist totally recommend it, especially if you're a fan of Florence Foster Jenkins and Ed Wood. If you like those films, I think this is kind of it. Make a nice little triple pack. The idea of oh, these people think what they're doing is fantastic, but it's really not, and here's the story behind it. So. Yes, give it a give it a look. See, um, by Jove, by uh, that it's the biggest freak show you'll see Jove. in cinemas all Christmas until the Greatest Showman comes out. So uh, yeah, well, um, I'm, I'm on the fence about Greatest Showman, but we'll talk about that yeah. another day. Oh, it's not, got some wonderful trailers, but yeah, that's kind of it. Yeah, um, um, right. Let's let's do some. Let's do some emails. Emails. Um, we got a few. We got a few this week. So You're gonna... tearing me apart. Emails. Uh, and I think we should we should blast through them all because we gotta get into some Last Jedi stuff next week. So, where's my first... money, Danny? Where's my money? <laughs> Quiet you. Who was no that more from? It was so weird. No more room. No more room. <laughs> okay. For the rest of the podcast. Sorry, Chris. Okay. Sorry. Uh... <laughs> Can I not just call him Chris? I hate you so much. <laughs> um... This one comes in from Harry. Uh, salutations, Matt and Chris of the huge darn pod. Ooh, uh, meats. Hope all is very well and swell with you. Thank you dearly for the podcast throughout a turbulent year. <laughs> turbulent juice. And the regular recordings <laughs> of your vocal cords calibrating the stimulation of your creative faculties and neural networks and process them into comedically coordinated content for the consumption of the audience. Cheers for that! I appreciate the sentence. It won't fit on a poster, though. <laughs> I'm I'm currently versing myself in Marvel comic, comics and the cinematic universe properly after a long druft, sorry, drought. A long uh, druft. Yeah. <laughs> I did that deliberately, I apologise. Uh, could I trouble you for any Guardians of the Galaxy titles in print you recommend? My local Waterstones is a vast selection and alas I am at a loss due to my lack of knowledge about the Blessed Guardians. Um, So, the problem with Guardians of the Galaxy is that they have never really had a definitive comics run. 
They've had a sh- like a long one. Um, the Dan Abbott and Andy Lanning run, which starts with... Oh, what's the volume now? Um, let me look it up. Um, hey. That's that's the version that inspired the film. Yeah. Uh, and is... Because before that, the Guardians of the Galaxy were like a team from the far future of the Marvel Universe and um, all that kind of stuff. So it was... Um, it was just not the team that you are used to the, the, the star lord gamora rocket raccoon group version came together with the the dan abner and andy lanning uh version uh, i'm just trying to find the title of that first trade um but the internet does not want me to look it up um <clears throat> one sec uh <laughs> after that there has been another run with they, they've continued on with those characters um, but it the the Brian Michael Bendis run that came after that in the lead up to and after the movie was met with mixed reactions, and I've read a little bit of it and I wasn't hugely keen. Um, mm. and then after that, I don't know who's doing it at the moment, but I it's kind of fallen off my radar. So if you want to go. Guardians of the Galaxy, here's what you need to get. You want to go... Um, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Legacy. Guardians mm. of the Galaxy War of Kings, book one <clears> and <throat> two, which sort of take place during a crossover event, so that might be a bit weird. Um, <laughs> and then Realm of Kings, which is the final volume, leading into... Um, the What would then become the Marvel Now um, Guardians, which is the Brian Michael Bendis run. Um, which is Cosmic Avengers, Angela, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and all the X-Men, Tribe of Jean Grey, Guardians Disassembled, Original Sin and Through the Looking Glass. Those are the, the trades. But um, I, as I say, the Brian Michael Bendis run was met with mixed reactions at best. So, <sighs> you know, um, give Legacy a go. Um, the Abnett and Line run. Uh, you can also get the Abnett and Lanning run in two larger volumes as a complete collection. Um, but yeah, give give that first volume of the Abnett and Lanning one. That's called Legacy. Guardians of the Galaxy Legacy. Um, that's where you want to start for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, anyway, on with the email. Um, however, hopefully my Doctor Who badge doesn't have to be handed in. In fifteen. 15- on 15th December, the Lethbridge Stewart books published their latest collection of short stories, which, is sto- which includes a story by me, The Cruel Oil. Um, having grown up loving spin-offs like the Sarah Jane Adventures and char- the character of the Brigadier, it's quite a dream come true for me. It did originally have a Christopher Eccleston reference in there, but it had to be cut, alas. The book will be published just before Christmas. Okay, so look out of that. Look out for that. Um, that's, that's by the Leth- Leth- Lethbridge Stewart books, is it? Yeah. The... yeah, yeah. Okay, that's pretty uh, cool. What's the, the story's called The Cruel Oil, but it doesn't say, Harry doesn't <clears> say what the... Uh, what the book's called. So let us know what the book's called, Harry, so we can give it a proper plug. Um, incidentally, a very Merry Christmas to all of you at home. Much is a pineapple slice. Uh, that <laughs> one comes in from Harry Draper. Thanking you very much, Harry. Um, Harry can write an email. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Harry knows how to write a bloody email. Congratulations on that... Uh, on that thingamabob. Um, we, we read about it in the Times. Tomorrow's okay. Times. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Sorry. Uh, okay. All oh. right. 
Okay. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the voice. <gasps> it's coming back. Oh. Dear Chris and Matt, I hate the news that the 13th Doctor will have Jodie Whittaker's normal Yorkshire accent. I was pretty pissed off about the 12th having a Scottish accent, but this is just too far. I don't buy the idea of Gallifrey having a Yorkshire, let alone a Scotland, but I'll let them off for that one because I just count it as a very northern accent on Gallifrey. Also, have you seen the Twice Upon a Time trailer too? I'm infuriated about why the fuck the BBC have shown a part of the 12th's final regeneration in the trailer, whilst the shot looks fucking amazing, but I'm now extremely excited about seeing this regeneration episode. It sort of goes against my Whovian rules to show something like that in a trailer. What are your thoughts on the matter? Are you guys excited about the app? Hello? Hi. Uh, so, <laughs> um, I've got no problem about the accent thing. Yeah, Gallifrey. Um, there's no. There's no. It's not a ge- geographical thing on Gallifrey. When he said lots of planets have a north in his ninth incarnation, he wasn't implying that Gallifrey has a Manchester. Like, it's not real. It's not real. It's it's if you if 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 the if you wanted to get scientific and geographical, the Doctor's voice would just be a garbled mess because they wouldn't speak English, um, <clears throat> like because he wouldn't speak any language from Earth. So. Um, I don't mind. I think it's nice. It's a new flavour. It'll add to her personality. It means as an actor, there's one less thing for her to have to maintain so she can concentrate on what actually matters, which is the character. Um, so, you know, and, it, and who knows? She might have a softer Yorkshire accent. I just think, basically, Tom Monty, that you're from the South and a bit of a Watford Gap Upwards racist. But, um... <laughs> I don't know where you're from. Or if you're no. Also, we've had two Scottish doctors using a Scottish accent in the show. Yep. So, come on, yep. play off I always, it. <laughs> I always prefer it when, when, the, when the actors use their own accents. Um, yeah, yeah. Because then there's one um, last thing to work. Tennant, I got, because, like, analysing it, there is a character choice there. Yeah. Like he's 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 Rose's space boyfriend, so he speaks Estuary London. Like it, yeah. it makes sense. Um, but he got to whip out obviously his normal his normal brogue in Tooth and Claw, um, amongst other things. Ooh, licking uh, mistletoe wood. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I think it'll be it'll be fine, Tom. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Uh, as for the trailer, I know, and this uh, this isn't a scientific fact or gossip. I know full well why the regeneration shots in the trailer. It's to remind all the people that don't give a fuck anymore that oh yeah that the, the lady's coming now you should probably watch this one that's why it's there it's, yeah. it's there it's there to say come watch this because you're not going to otherwise we know you're not um, it's, a, it's a trout tickle it's tickling yeah. your sil- it's tickling your silver scaled belly to lure you out of the water and in front of your television <laughs> on Christmas Day um, you're, you're implying that the BBC One viewing public are all trout we're all <laughs> trouts we've just forgotten it. We all are trouts, metaphorically speaking. Yeah, um, it's a it's a metaphor. It's fine. Yeah, it's it's just it's just there to bring people back because the show is not as watched as it was. It's on at the earlier time again this year at Christmas. Like it's got the the five thirty slot or whatever again. So it's like they need to make sure people know to tune in. Um, I'd be yeah. fascinated to see the uh, see the, the the charts afterwards. Uh, as to whether or not people actually just start tuning in in the last ten minutes, probably. I mean, I, I've 
I think I'll be watching the whole thing, but I probably won't actually tune in until the last 10 minutes. Yes, that's me um, too. It's my one day off. Like I, I am not wasting it watching Doctor Who with all of my powers of concentration. I'll like concentrate say, on the time, last five minutes. By that time on Christmas Day, I will be so pissed. Just, I, won't. I, I won't. I'll be on Calpol and like hot after, water after the year that after the year that we've had, <clears throat> like as a as a world. I'm gonna. I just this end of year celebration is just. I'm just gonna be obliterated. I'm gonna be. I, I just pickled in time. Conscious. Um, he'll be pickled so, in time, Tom. Yeah. It'll drive Matt insane. Um, um, there's a little yeah. PS email here from Tom saying. Oh yes. Also about the regeneration snippet, did you see that new Vortex? Do you think that's going to be the 13th Vortex for the new series? And did we see the TARDIS being destroyed in that trailer? Looked to me like it was exploding. Maybe they're going with the same 10th, 11th new TARDIS format the RTD Moffat went with. I think it's fair. Yeah, we're getting a new TARDIS, like, straight up. I do do agree with you. I know why they put the regeneration and the exploding TARDIS in the trailer. I do agree with you, Tom, that they shouldn't have done that. Like, because in terms of caring about the story, it's like, oh, well, well, we're seeing the thing that we're... Like we're we're always going to anticipate seeing that shot now, uh, but I know why they did it, and it makes sense in that way. Um, I do think it's weird that they're blowing the TARDIS up again. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it is getting regenerated. It is getting a, a new look, but can you not just do what they used to do and it just have a new look? That's unlike Moffat to repeat himself, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so, um, next one comes in, and the vortex from... does look lovely. Next one comes in from Ethan. Ethan, uh, Ethan Hawke, he's back again. Hello, hello, hello again. Um, <laughs> thoughts <laughs> on. Uh, funny, funny email. Sorry. Quick <laughs> thoughts on A, The Last Leg? I've never watched it, I'll be honest. Um, I like The Last Leg, but I haven't watched it for a while. I like um, I like Adam Driver. I went to see him live uh, on his Clown Heart tour. Um, but I've just not watched it for a while. It's, it's a good show, though. Um... Uh, B, Taskmaster, Champion of Champions. Don't like Taskmaster. Next question. He's my uh, favourite Deadpool villain. Next question. Uh, C, League of Gentlemen. Very excited. Very, very oh, excited. Oh, can't wait for multiple um, reasons, which we'll get into next week, maybe. Very, um, very, very excited. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> D, the brand new Vic and Bob's Big Night Out. Also, I know. Very excited. Very excited I know. for that. I mean, it's um, weird. It's on the beep and it's Vic and Bob's Big Night Out. And I'm like, hang on. Anger. I mean, obviously, it was always Vic and Bob, but it was Vic Reeves' show. So it, it feels weird, but I, I still can't wait to see what they've done. Yep. I still can't wait. So the Beeb this Christmas, get Alan Partridge, the League of Gentlemen, and Vic and Bob back. It's, it's, yeah, that's that's it, a good Christmas lineup. I'm not going to lie. That's, and then that's we get cool. inside number nine in the first week of January. I need so, to watch the first two seasons of that. So, yeah, I'll try and get hey, on that. Um, first three. There's three. <laughs> oh, God. You have a smorgasbord. <laughs> um, also, thoughts on the Disaster Artist slash Room now or later if you feel like it. Um, we've done how it. About, so, how about earlier? Yeah, we've done it <laughs> earlier. Uh, so, you're, how, you're, Ethan, you're going to see the thumbnail for this episode and be very pleased. <laughs> <laughs> not, if it, not if you're going with the Boba Fett hoodie thing. Um, that <laughs> uh, that is all. down. That is all. Ethan Skillman, not from London, but Portland, down in Dorset. Um, I can't do a Dorset accent off the top of my head. I'd have to practice it. Um, Everyone in Dorset speaks like a Cockney orphan. It's 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 just how it is. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> just to clarify, I did say Cockney. I said Cockney. I didn't say. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, Cockneys. 
Um, <laughs> last, a one, last one comes in from friend of the show, uh, CDM. <gasps> CDM? Um, yeah, CDM. Um, everyone's favourite Charlie. Uh, a healthy and hearty hello and season's greeting, boys. Uh, so as you may have noticed, decrepit cult classic Medieval has been exhumed and has been given a new lick of paint for a fancy new PS4 update. I, for one, thoroughly enjoyed the original on PSX. Why X, by the way? Um, 20-ish <laughs> years ago, and it had been so long that an update was something that, quite frankly, I'd forgotten I ever wanted. Thoughts? Are we excited? Is this just another nail in the coffin? See what I did there? A video game original IP. What are the classics from that generation? When did my childhood become retro? I know, Charlie. I know. Um, I'm 30 <laughs> in like three weeks. So, yeah. I'm, I know you I know you feel, bro. Um, would you like to see come back with an HD update? Muchas amores, manos. Hasta luego. Um, so. Lovely, Charlie. Lovely Charlie. Coming back. Did you like the original Medieval? I only ever played a demo, actually, on a PlayStation Magazine demo disc. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I always liked the look. I was qu- I was probably a little too young, really, to to mm. buy the game or, or invest in the game, but I dug it. That was pretty sweet. Um, and I, uh, what the devil? Um, as I long have... as they as long as they don't base it on the the follow up and they base it more on the yeah. original, I think we'll we'll get a unique. Game. I think it, I think it's straight up a remake of the original Medieval. Oh god, okay, yeah. same like tone so, and humor um, and everything. Yeah, it's just a remake. Oh god, god! Um, like probably, probably similar to what they did with the the Crash uh, trilogy. Um, so I think I have the original Medieval. Uh, I played a bit of it. I've never, I never really got mad into it, but I think I do have it somewhere lying around. So when you get back up in the new year, we should dig that out and do a bit of a Matt and Chris play, maybe. Um, oh yes, and then we can record us playing Medieval. Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> as for a, as for a PSX YX, I'm not sure. I think it has something to do with back in the day. All like certainly for that generation, that the, the uh, console tended to have three letter acronyms. Um, there was an actual PSX, uh, a thing in Japan called the PSX, um, which was a PS2 with a uh, DVR built in. And that was back in the early days of, of DVRs. But as for why the PSX um, was, re- was referred to as the PS... That was why the original PlayStation was um, the PSX. I have no idea. I'm going to do a quick Google on it now and see if I can uh, <laughs> find it out. While Christopher... Tell me which game from the PS1 era you would like HD uh, re- remakes of. Ooh, that's a good question, baby. Um, I, I know it's an untouchable, like it is a classic and it shouldn't really be fiddled with, but all the same, it'd be nice to see it in an updated visual style. I would like, and it'll never happen because Konami's Konami and Konami's the worst, but Silent Hill, man. Like Silent Hill remade from the ground up. With the same layout, the same mechanics, but obviously just a smoother play-like style and and like the visuals of today would be glorious to see. Be absolutely gorgeous. And while we're at it, Crash Team Racing, uh, just so I can have that on a bigger TV in full 16.9 and maybe online play for that would be fun. Okay. Um, nice, so, yeah. nice, nice, nice. Um, uh, by the way, PlayStation, PlayStation was originally called PSX because they were toying with launching it as that that was his prototype name was the playstation <laughs> x and they were well, it was the 90s launching... wasn't it <laughs> yeah and they were toying with launching it as that in north america because playstation hadn't tracked well with focus groups um <laughs> and in early advertising it was called the psx or the ps hyphen x um and the name just stuck uh when they changed the playstation so that's why it's called the psx um 
Uh, what would I like to see an HD update on? I would like to see a proper HD remake of uh, the original Metal Gear Solid, because why not? Ooh, um, yes. Because yeah. uh, to be fair, I can go back and play that game to my heart's content, but it does need a bit of a... Judge. Um, a judge. Especially compared to the other games in the series. Because even, even the PS2 ones, uh, 2 and 3, they fucking look great um, in their HD remasters. Um, yeah, for Vita and, <clears throat> and um, PS3. Yeah, they look gorgeous yeah. still, so it'd be nice to bring... I mean, they did do the Twin Snakes on GameCube, which was a remake of one in the two engine. Um, but it's fucking rare as rocking our shit. And <laughs> it is has some flaws because they redid all the cutscenes and they did some redid all the voice acting with some different actors in certain roles. Uh, Most of the same actors, but in certain roles, different actors. And um, yeah, in terms of the, the overall package, I prefer the original uh, PlayStation game. Um, what would I like to see? What else would I like to see? Um, I don't know, man. Because uh, we've already got Crash Bandicoot, even though I wasn't particularly interested in a Crash Bandicoot remake. Uh, we've already got Resident Evil. Again, again, I wasn't um, particularly interested in that because I've bounced off those original games more times than I care to imagine. Um, what else was on PS plus on PlayStation 1 that you think might be worth a revisit? Or even that era. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking back to my my days of uh, being a Sega Saturn, owning and loving youth, and I would love to see uh, proper HD updates of the Panzer Dragoon series. Um, Ooh, yeah. Because uh, they that were great. Be the one. Well, the first two were like sort of on-rails shooters, and the, the, the third one was a proper four-disc expansive RPG. Uh, I don't want... I'm not interested in HD remasters of the Final Fantasy games. Like, not bothered. Like, yeah. just make new... Make, like, I don't need a remake of Final Fantasy VII. Like, if you want to go back in and, like, retranslate it and stuff, then, yeah, I'll go for that. But I don't need a, the ground-up remake because it's going to take so long to come out. Um, Just re... I mean, they have kind of... Rem- they've remastered the PC version of Seven for PS4. So you can get that. Um, mm. If you're desperate to play it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'll have to think about that one because there, I didn't have a PS One growing up. I didn't have it till I was later on a teenager after the kind after the PS Two was out. So I caught up on a lot of that game. Although a few, my friends had them, so I caught up on some of that stuff um, after the fact. After it was already kind of old, and uh, I had a Saturn from that era, and. I'm thinking back to the library of games I had, and I'm thinking about do I want any of that re-released or remade? And I'm thinking actually no, because I mean I've got <laughs> I've got Daytona USA uh, on the PS3, uh, the arcade version, so I don't need that. I've got Virtua Fighter 2 on the PS3 as <laughs> arcade version, so I don't need that. Um, they've they've remastered and re-released Nights into Dreams, which is kind of like the the game for that system, which is. You know, still obtuse and difficult and weird, even if, even after being remastered. Um, and yeah, kind of like the Panzer Dragoon games is kind of it because uh, a lot of that stuff wasn't that great in the first place, but it was all I had. You know, it's all we've got. Damn it, it's all we've got. Yeah, I think a lot of that stuff hasn't aged well. Um, and uh, HD. HDifying it would not necessarily fix the problems that those games had. Um, mm. So yeah, although you may want to do a grand remake of something, yeah, maybe. Uh, but nothing comes to mind uh, other than Mel Gear Solid. Get on that shit. 
Do it Konami. <laughs> oh wait, you don't make games anymore. Fuck you! Konami uh, is right, Konami okay. and Konami is the worst. That's it for another show. Uh, I've been Big Damn Matt and he's been Big Damn Chris. Yes. Uh, as always, you want to get in touch with us, uh, bigdamncontact at gmail.com at bigdamncast on Twitter. Next week we will be digging into The Last Jedi, so send us your thoughts, opinions, hopes, dreams, fears, nightmares, everything to do with uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi and we will uh, dissect the film like a well-cooked Christmas turkey. Uh, the week before Christmas, um, and then I think it will be our Christmas episode the week after that, won't it? Uh, possibly. Oh no, I think we might have another one. Let me just uh, let me just double check. You know what? This is why this is why I should have a calendar with me in the room. Yeah. In we the have, room. Uh, have, you're right. Yes, that next week is the last Jedi. Um, then our Christmas episode goes out on the twenty second. Then we'll be back with a full fledged non pre recorded episode on the 29th. Yes, uh, we have believe. we have already recorded our. Our Christmas, Christmas spectacular. <laughs> let me tell you, we have a treat in store for you. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oomins. So. Oomins. 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 Right, I'm, I'm begging, go. would you please don't take my mints? I'm going to go to the gym now, so bye. You're going to go be Buff Boy? Yeah, I'm going to go to Buff Boy. Buff Boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's much with the Buff Boy. Yeah, I'm the Buff Boy. Now, right, everyone, go. Stop listening. I need to Press stop on your podcast player. Alright, alright. Ah! Fuck it!